Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch new episodes of Grey's Anatomy Thursdays at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Welcome to Fine Tuning with Drew Taylor, your one-stop shop when it comes to animation news and commentary. I'm entertainment writer Jim Hill, and Mr. Taylor, whose writings on the industry you can regularly read over on The Wrap, and whose musings on the Mission Impossible movies you can listen to on the Light the Fuse podcast, he and I are recording this week's show. Okay, we were supposed to record Friday night, uh, which would have been the 37th anniversary of Pixar. And did you see some of the stuff they, they were doing for their anniversary? The little cake ball of the, the, the Pixar ball and all that, the, the, the YouTube thing? No, I didn't. Where where was that? At the parks? or No, it was. I mean, it was literally on the official Pixar social media things. It's like, it's their 37th anniversary. And so we're going to do that, is it cake or is it not cake thing. So it's like, ooh, it's the Pixar ball. Oh, uh, okay. So we've talked previously on the show about in fact drew you already have this book right the art of dreamworks puss in boots the last wish i do is it is it finally coming out well that's the interesting thing initially it was announced as hitting uh sore shelves on march 30th they've now slid the release date down it's actually later this month February 21st. And not only that, but if you move quickly, right now, Amazon, if you pre-order, you can pick it up for instead of 50 for 45. And you really like this one, right? Yeah, I did. I thought, I mean, I think this movie is just so special. And I think people, it's really been interesting to see the groundswell of support for this thing. And well, you, you've watched it, right? I have. And there's so much to like about this, whether it's the villain of the piece. And I don't want to give too much away for folks who haven't seen it, but really interesting idea clearly there's enthusiasm out there for this one because uh if you look at the box office numbers puss in boots has uh sold 143 million worth of tickets domestically an additional 197 overseas worldwide gross of 341 million and all right that's not lion king money but if you look at the 226 million that pixar's Lightyear made last year and that's the worldwide number or for that matter, the 73 million that Strange World made. And again, that's combining domestic and international or overseas. Suddenly, Puss in Boots box office numbers look really, really good. Toward that end, though, did you see the interview that, that Eddie Murphy did earlier this week? I, I want to say it was in support of the new Seth Rogen project. Oh, uh, you people? You people. Uh, yeah, Jonah Hill. Jonah, Jonah Hill. Hill. No, mistake. I didn't see. What did he say? Well, basically, he got asked about, in the end of Last Wish, we see Puss in Boots and Kitty Softpaws and Perito. They're in a boat sailing to far, far away, where we, we last saw Shrek and Fiona and Donkey. So anyway, you have to basically said, you know that there is a Shrek sequel coming with the original voice cast. And that's been supposedly in the works since April of 2016 when Universal bought DreamWorks for $3.8 billion. But it sounds like they forgot to tell Eddie Murphy because this is what he said to eTalk. I would absolutely be open 
if they ever came to me with another Shrek. I'd do it in two seconds. I love Donkey. You know, they did Puss in Boots movies. I was like, eh, they should have done a Donkey movie. Donkey is funnier than Puss in Boots. I mean, I love Puss in Boots, but he ain't as funny as Donkey. So I, I get how if you're working on a project, you can't talk about a project till the studio is ready to talk about a project. But again, he goes on to say, I would do a donkey movie. I would do another Shrek in two seconds. Do you think he's already done a Shrek and has said yes in two seconds? Yes. You know, but the reporter goes on to say, well, maybe Murphy should pull some strings, get that movie going. And he says, well, that's DreamWorks animation. They have to want to do it. DreamWorks, if you want to do it, just call me. I'm ready. I'm sitting and ready to do a donkey. So, okay. <laughs> when you're there to do an interview for you people... You know, and somebody throws Shrek stuff at you. You know, just sort of like, hey, you know, we'll have some fun here. But back to the movie I'm supposed to be promoting. Before we forget, Puss in Boots, Last Wish, uh, the Blu-ray, DVD, and the 4K Ultra HD version of this Joel Crawford film uh, goes on sale later this month, uh, February 28th. And Drew, do you still do the Disney Movie Club titles? Oh, of course I do, Jim. I have, uh, you know, 16,000 unused Disney uh, <laughs> rewards points. So, you know, if anybody has any idea about what I should be spending that on, let me okay. know. I have okay. a, I have some Strange World coasters right here that are in the shape of the cards that the kid has, which you can see on my screen really? right there, which are kind Hol of fun. Holy cool. Yeah. Oh, wow. So, Oh. Those are from the movie club. But anyway, yes, I still mm -hmm. do this. Oh, okay. Well, I bring that up because four weeks after Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, the, the Blu-ray DVD is available, Disney's Cinderella, the hand-drawn version from 1950, not the live-action one with uh, Lily James uh, from 2015, that goes on sale for the first time ever in 4K Ultra HD. And supposedly, members of the Disney Movie Club can get the Ultimate Collector's Edition, which includes a litho of Cinderella getting her gown if they pre-order. This is kind of a... Well, it's supposedly tied into the Disney 100 thing. Are they doing anything else with the Movie Club for the Disney 100? Or? I haven't seen it yet, and I still get those brochures because I am a member of the club. But is this a club-exclusive 4K, or is this just... Well, that's what I'm trying to find out. Because what's weird is if you hammer on Cinderella 4K Ultra HD, the only info that comes up about this title is through the Disney Movie Club. And the litho, it's, it's one of these things where it's like, oh, it's a story that they always tell about the, the hand-drawn Cinderella that supposedly Walt once said his favorite piece of animation was the thing that Mark Davis drew of Cinderella getting her gown. Only this one is like in mid-transformation, so you can barely see Cinderella from all of the the hand-drawn specks of light that will be colored in later by the ink and paint girls. It's a really weird choice for a litho. I'm on the site right now. It says okay. club exclusive format, first time on 4K Ultra HD. Oh. Yeah. So, I don't know, Jim. Is Cinderella a movie that really is going to benefit from 4K Ultra HD? I don't know. I might just have to leave it in my cart, Jim, and we might just have to f 
find out. Okay, cool. All right. Well, yeah. again, you got 16,000 points. I mean, you know, can, yes. can you actually spend it on I can't, this? But I can't apply them from the from the <sighs> movie rewards to the movie club. It's very, it's a very backward situation, Jim. But I think I might have to pull the trigger on this. And okay. We'll just see. Well, let us know. Let us know. Okay. Well, we have other uh, animation news, folks. But first, just want to remind you, news portion of this week's fine tuning is brought to you by Storybook Destinations, trusted travel partner of the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network for a worry-free travel experience every time. Please book online at storybookdestinations.com. All right. I'm going to ask you to put on your, your, your thinking cap here, Drew. Do you remember Rock Dog? I do remember Rock Dog because I'll tell you this, Jim. Okay. When I was interviewing Sam Elliott for mm-hmm. The Good Dinosaur, I asked him what was going on with Rock Dog mm-hmm. because at the time it was stuck in some weird limbo, <laughs> if you'll yep. re- recall mm-hmm. that whole situation. Did Sam know what was going on or just, you know? No, he didn't. I think he said, you know, Ash is a really great director. This is Ash mm-hmm. Brannon who mm-hmm. co-directed Toy Story 2 as well as Surf's Up, which I think still is one of the most interesting aesthetically animated movies of the past few decades. Oh, I love the faux documentary thing. Though. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, yeah. But yeah, tell us tell us more about Rock Dog and its rocky history. This was released to theaters back in July of 2016. Made $9 million domestic, $13 million overseas. And by the way, those are not the opening weekend grosses. That's literally the entire theatrical run. Not numbers you would normally think would compel people to go, oh, we need a sequel to that. So other day, I'm walking through Target, and there on end cap is <laughs> Rock Dog 3 Battle the Beast. And first of all, it's like Rock Dog 3. It made me think of that Mel Brooks's idea for the theatrical sequel to Spaceballs. No. The title literally was going to be Spaceballs 3, The Search for Spaceballs 2. And evidently the gag of the movie was that it would continually reference a movie that no one had seen. You know, just sort of, oh, you again. You know, just sort of that sort of gag. There was actually a Rock Dog 2, a subtitle of this Lionsgate home entertainment release was Rock Around the Park. Uh, it was released back on, in June of 2021. And Rock Dog 3, Battle of the Beast, only showed up on Shore Selves recently, uh, uh, January 24th of this year. Could not bring myself to pull the trigger to get her to purchase. I mean, we'll tell you what, if you're going to get the 4K Ultra HD version of Cinderella, I, all right, I'll throw myself on this grenade, Drew. I will get Rock Dog 3 and report back, all right? So, you know, I don't fair? think that's an even swap. I think uh, <laughs> I think that is that is rough. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think the Rock Dog hmm. Rock Dog was a Chinese production, which is it why it was held was. up. The first one was held it up, right? It was. Yeah. And clearly the folks at Lionsgate, Home Entertainment, know something that we don't because we've got two of them and Lord knows there's probably another one lurking out in the bushes. All right, something else uh, I wanted to circle back on because previously we had a a great show where Drew had gone up to the Walt Disney Family Museum and had seen the Walt Disney's Jungle Book Making a Masterpiece exhibit, and and that was out behind the the museum, right in the, the old gymnasium that's now what they call it, the Diane Disney Miller Building, something to that effect. Yes, it was, Jim. 
Okay. Yes. And you seem to really enjoy this exhibit of 300 pieces of art that Andrea Stasia put together. And, and originally, this was supposed to shutter on uh, January 8th. But then that endless series of, of storms that came in, what were they calling it? The atmospheric river? Or what was the term that... The, the hundreds of millions of gallons of water that <laughs> fell in Southern California. Uh, yeah, I don't know what it, they called it, Jim. I just it, it felt very catastrophe canyon to me. That's what we'll <laughs> that's what we'll call it. Okay, <laughs> all right. Well, it turns out that just before New Year's, they had a particularly hellacious storm come in over San Francisco, which actually damaged the Diane Disney Miller Building, and so. They shut down the exhibit, uh, I want to say, on January 4th or thereabouts. Oh, excuse me, January 5th. And, you know, did the necessary repairs on the building. But because there were so many people who had tickets to see this exhibit, it reopened Thursday of this past week for uh, February 2nd. And the exhibit now runs through March 5th. So it's been extended. And if you're a Jungle Book fan, you might want to make your way to the Presidio out ahead of the next series of rainstorms. You know, but well, we're checking out. Speaking of stuff uh, we're checking out, Drew Lashow was talking all about getting the opportunity to go to the press event for Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway and Wondrous and World of Color 1. Which, by the way... Yes. I went out of my way to watch the opening night uh, version of A World of Color 1. And boy, Drew, you, you weren't kidding about that. I mean, you know, in fact, the, the comment from your interview with Roger Gould uh, a day or so afterwards about, you know, they basically had 30% of the show visible that night. 30% of the show was actually functioning. Yeah. What's interesting is there have been a couple of videos since where I guess the wind conditions were more in their favor and you get a better sense of, of what the full show was, but you're not wrong. It's it's kind of an interesting choice of stuff. And in fact, I'm, I was fascinated by how the Moana chunk that's in Wondrous and the Moana chunk that's in World of Color 1, uh, you know, the, the whole, you have to take this back, you picked the wrong person. It's just sort of like, really? That, you know, that's all you could go with for Moana? Yeah, there's some cool stuff, theoretically, in the World of Color um, thing, but mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I just thought Wonder's Journeys was, was pretty astounding. So, it it, it yeah. is, it is. But what's also kind of interesting is that the very thing you mentioned that, I guess they're only doing the fireworks on the weekends, and I guess they, they agreed to pay a fine, so you guys got to see it on a weeknight. But finally, there's a couple of versions out there where it, it really does just focus on the productions of the castle, and you're not wrong. I mean, it seems like they did manage to touch on every single one of the, the animated features that, that Disney's produced since, what, 37 or, or, or thereabouts, uh, and some of the shorts. But oh, what I wanted yeah. to circle back on is obviously there's been a lot more photo coverage and that sort of thing of you know what's going on out there but people have been doing a, a really decent job of documenting that elaborate queue that you you were talking about for uh mickey and minnie's runaway railway and i have to admit i love the the posters that they've got in there uh, that riff on disney films of the 70s into the 90s well did you see somebody responded to 
me on Twitter when I said, it will not surprise anyone that there's no run, runaway brain reference. And then someone said, actually, there is a reference to runaway no, brain. where? That, yes. Well, in one little area, there's a mm-hmm. bunch of like flyers, and mm-hmm. one of them is the $999 ad for no! the Dr. Frank and Ollie experiment. Oh. I mean, it's really hard to find. I really <laughs> give this person a lot of credit, and I spent a lot of time in that queue. Okay. As you will probably uh, imagine. Mm-hmm. And yep. I still didn't see it. And so I am just so thrilled that there is actually confirmed a Runaway Brain reference in the queue for Runaway Railway. That's great, because, again, it takes moolah to hula. (laughs) It does. It does. That's great. All right. Now, you had your your visit over at Sony where you you talked about all of the you know, the projects they've got in the works coming up ahead and all that. And we were, we're talking with so much enthusiasm about, about that great mural that they have in the, the, the central courtyard. And and now they're moving. Yes. You saw this news, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, God. All right. The idea is that, uh, and it's not just Sony Pictures Animation, right? It's uh, Sony Pictures Imageworks, their visual effects branch, uh, likewise Crunchyroll. So they're bailing out of the Culver City. uh, And again, that's just across the street, really, from the old MGM lot, right? Yeah, I don't really understand it, but Mm -hmm. they're moving down Wilshire, kind of more Mm mid-city, which I know a lot of people are already not super thrilled about, Mm -hmm. but things could be worse. And yeah, I guess they're going to just take over this big building. I mean, there's... There's so much sort of open office space in L.A. now uh, that people have kind of left. So I get it. But yeah, I do, too. It was such a cute campus and it was so near to the, you know, the main Sony hub. No, that's it. Exactly. I just, you know, I always loved going there and persuading friends to let me wander around the Sony lot. Look at all of the old sound stages and dressing rooms that used to be there for classic MGM. So it kind of makes me sad. But again, this is this isn't going to get in the works till May of 2024. And I just want to point out that, you know, there was some other very high profile <laughs> moves that got announced at Lake Nona that didn't <laughs> happen. So, you know, <laughs> let's see what I, you know, we, we got a year. Right. Right. <laughs> let's see what could happen here. And speaking of what's going to happen, well, here uh, you're going to hear an ad and then Drew and I will be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Want to remind everybody, tail end of this week, Friday, February 10th, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur finally shows up on the Disney Channel. And then it's the following week it it starts to bubble up over Disney Plus, right? Yeah, I really love this new release schedule, don't you? I mean, it seems way overdue. It, I think, speaks to how little original programming is on Disney Plus these days. It's like... Yeah, so uh, nothing going on here until Mandalorian, but I really think that this is a great idea, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the show looks amazing. Um, I think I have some screeners that I have not watched yet because I 
have too much to watch, Jim. But yeah, I can't wait to see this. It's going to be so great. No, it, it has a great look, and uh, very, very, very much looking forward to this. Something I wa- wasn't on my radar, but I just kind of backed into uh, this past week. Hey, have you seen the amazing Maurice yet? It rolled out on Sky in December or thereabouts, but it was just screened this past week or thereabouts at Sundance in their Sundance Kids thing. Any info on this one at all? or No, what is it? It's based on a Terry Pratchett book, The Amazing Maurice and His Educated Rodents. But the thing that really made me go, all right, I have to watch this, is it had a script by Terry Ruscio. And this is the guy uh, who was his longtime writing partner, Ted Elliott, that did the script for Disney's Aladdin, likewise Shrek, also Treasure Planet, which you pointed out has that wonderful moment in Wondrous. And by the way, Drew was telling the truth. The noise that the people made on opening night <laughs> when the castle transformed into the ship that Long John Silver sailed on. Lots of Disney diehards who will, oh, I finally get to see that movie. But this is the first animated feature that Terry Russo has written in a while. And it's also important to point out here that Ted Elliott and Terry stopped working together about 10 years ago. Not entirely sure what went on there, but uh, Terry, you know, has continued on. And Amazing Maurice is the 28th novel that Terry Pratchett has written for the Discworld series. I was going to ask about this. Yeah, and it's the first one written specifically for children, published back in November of 2001, and it's kind of a riff on the Pied Piper Hamlin. But immediately what made me think of you, Drew, as I'm watching this thing is in like the last act, in the last part of the last act, death shows up as a character, which made me immediately think of all the stories you have about Disney's Mort wasn't that supposed to be Ron Clements and, and John Musker's follow-up to Princess and the Frog? And they, they just couldn't, yes. they couldn't get the rights? It was something to do with the fact that it was part of the Discworld saga. There we go. There saga. we go. You know. Yeah. But, I mean, things are so raw still mm-hmm. that... You remember that short that they released as the part of the short circuit mm-hmm. series about with Death mm-hmm. riding a bicycle? Do you remember that? Yeah, he's trying to kill the cyclist. Mm-hmm. So I was at the press day for that, and I asked the animators, mm-hmm. "Is any of this kind of recycled from Mort?" And they looked at me and they said, "We're not legally allowed to acknowledge Mort." Wow. Still, I mean, this was this was you know five ten years after the fact. But, yeah, after Mort was canceled, mm-hmm. which was in pre-production, yeah. they went, oh, what about this thing with this Maui character? There, How about that? There we and go. Then, there we go. Now, now, evidently, Terry Pratchett remembered the Clive Barker deal for Aberat. Do, do you remember that? I remember. It was a very splashy deal that Disney made for Aberat. I mean, there were all these stories about Clive Barker had a house in L.A., but he bought the house next door and when he was selling disney on the idea of you you want to buy my four-part series for children he literally walked the disney executives next door and the house next door was filled with all of the art that clive had created to sort of support the story and show off the characters and that that sort of thing and i mean when they announced this deal april of 2000 it was like disney was paying eight million dollars for these four books they were already talking theme parks. They were already talking movies. 
Terry Pratchett, when, when Disney said and came and said, we want the rights to Mort, and he said, well, I want the Clyde Barker deal. You know, I want you to buy the entire Discworld thing and to turn this into a movie series and theme park attractions and that sort of thing. And, and evidently, that's where the, the negotiations broke down because Disney never, it's like, that's nice, but we just want this one book. The couple of pieces that I've seen suggest that oh, this could have been a really fun movie. But anyway, speaking of a real fun movie, uh, The Amazing Maurice, and, and I'm not telling you to do this, but if you happen to go over to YouTube, perhaps the movie is there in like 32 chunks. You can watch it now. And it's got a wonderful vocal performance by Hugh Laurie as the, the, the title character, uh, David Tennant. He's a, a character in as well. It's really, really well-written. It's got a fun animation style. It, it really deserves better play. So, you know, again, if you're looking for something, especially if you're, you're a fan of Terry Pratt's just writing, because, uh, again, this is so reminiscent. And, in fact, and that's the other thing that kind of breaks my heart is when Death finally enters the movie, he is such a great character. I would love to have seen a whole movie with this guy. So check it out if you can. And speaking of things to check out, uh, did you see this announcement about the new Leica exhibit? The one at the Museum of, of Pop Culture up in Seattle? Oh, Jim, I, I wrote this up. Of course I did. I, I think this sounds absolutely amazing. I got to say, it's really, really tempting for me because of the whole fact that, you know, well, first of all, it's the biggest thing they've done. What is it? It's what 7,500 square feet of exhibit space, which everyone needs to remember that there's still the amazing Leica Life and Stop Motion exhibit, which is still going on at the Museum of, of the Moving Image in Astoria, New York. In fact, it runs there through the tail end of August of this year. But what really makes me want to go to this thing, which open, uh, which opens at the Seattle's Museum of Pop Culture on March 17th, is they have stuff from Wildwood. I saw that. Yeah. I saw that. We may need to go here, Drew. Well, you know, they're, they are flying people up, so maybe we should just ask Ooh, nicely. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. We're politely raising our hands. We would talk about this. Yeah, but yeah, the, yes. what's interesting is this exhibit opens on March 17th. Wildwood, on the other hand, doesn't show up on, on Netflix, right? I don't know. I Actually, Jim, I don't know where Wildwood is going. Okay, okay. The last deal, if you'll recall, was with Focus, I believe. Oh, or that's The right. Missing Link. Or no, it was five. It was maybe it was Searchlight. Anyway, yeah, I don't know where the, oh, where it's gonna go. Is, but yeah, but April yeah. April twenty first, it's coming out somewhere, folks. Somewhere, somewhere, <laughs> Jim. You know, keep keep an eye out. All right. Beyond that, we were just talking about death in Mort and death in uh, Amazing Maurice, and this is a bad transition, but I'm going with it. I just came across this amazing interview with Richard Kind, who, wonderful Second City vet, you know, a great character actor. First time he came on my radar as a, a, a voice acting character was Molt in the original A Bug's Life. But, uh, you know, of course, he, he, he broke all of our hearts by voicing Bing Bong in the, ori the original Inside Out. And... He was just recently talking about the original version of Bing Bong's, well, is it a death if he's just, I mean, that's the thing, he's fading from <laughs> Riley's memory, right? Yeah. Okay. 
So I, I don't know if you can call that a death per se, but evidently the original version of this scene in Inside Out really put the, the thumb screws. That, well, here's, here's Kine's quote. When I first saw the movie, the scene down in the valley where the memories have been lost and disposed of, it was about 40 seconds to a minute longer. I loved it. I actually talked to the producer's daughter who agreed with me and she didn't like the shorter version much. And the reason they cut it was because the earlier version was heart-wrenching. It was absolutely heartbreaking. And I likened it to the scene in Bambi where the mother dies. And it's like, we don't need to see that again. <laughs> I think we felt exactly how we needed to feel in that scene. By the way, we are at this point just 16 months out from the release of Inside Out 2 which shows up in theaters June 14th, 2024. And speaking of things that, that ultimately get cut and shut down and all that, there's this amazing Twitter feed called The Art of Lost and Cancelled Media. They put up some amazing stuff. Like just recently, for example, they put up a screenshot of Cartman's dad and sister. Uh, these are characters that only appeared in the original version of the South Park pilot. But they were removed from the final cut of the episode. And again, they never came back on the show. Never to be seen again. And again, bring that up because uh, season 26 of this animated show actually gets underway this Wednesday, February 8th, over at Comedy Central. Do you think you're going to get to chat with Guillermo again? You know, I mean, clearly they're going to continue the push for Pinocchio to get the best animated feature Oscar. Oh, of course. Do me a favor, go over to the Art of Lost and Cancelled Media because they have artwork over there from the very first feature version of Pinocchio. Do you know anything about this? No. Evidently, this thing was in production in Italy in the, the early 1930s. In fact, there's always the controversy about what was the first feature length animated feature. And there's, there's people who insist the, what is it? The, the adventures of Prince Ahmed, the thing from 1917, that's all paper cut animation done mm -hmm. in silhouette, you know, that, you know, they're like, that's the first feature. Uh, but, it, but again, if you're talking to Disney fans, it's like, well, clearly it's gotta be Snow White from 37, 38, but this is the thing, this Pinocchio, if they'd finished it, would have beaten Snow White out into theaters. And it's worth chasing down to because it's clearly Pinocchio by way of Max Fleischer and Betty Boop. There's some amazing images from the film that only got so far along in production before finally the plug got pulled. And I would love to hear what Guillermo, you know, if he got to see this stuff, what he'd have to say about it. Because he put together a masterful stop-motion version of Pinocchio. It's a tough year for awards, but it's just it's hard not to acknowledge that that's amazing. And that deserves the recognition. Oh, yeah. But at the same time, it's just the whole notion of, wow, they were trying in the 30s. And, you know, would love to hear what he thinks of, of that style. So if you, you want to see uh, a steady stream of amazing images, make sure to go check out the Art of Lost and Cancelled Media Twitter feed. 
And and by the way, other things that I highly recommend, if you are not listening to Drew's Light the Fuse podcast, folks, again, you are missing out on so many great stories. You don't just go behind the scenes on Mission Impossible. You get John Wick, you get Top Gun, and, and Top Gun Maverick, which how many Academy Award nominations do they get this time around for that one? Six, Jim, and I think we're responsible for at least one half of one of those <laughs> nominations. I think we that's the that's what we can I, safely assume we I, were responsible for. No, I have no doubt. I mean, that, that's again, that's half the fun. Of, of listening to to light the fuse the stories you tease out of people and the deeper understanding you get of of the art that goes into whether sound or cinematography that sort of thing well speaking of which what's going on over there this week this week i don't know mm-hmm. who is this week we have someone good mm-hmm. they're gonna really illuminate the process jim and i cannot even remember i think we are actually talking to one of the co-writers of Mission Impossible 7 and 8. Ooh. I think that's this week. Um, he is amazing. His name is Eric Genderson, and he was a writer on Band of Brothers, oh. among other things. And um, it, he, he gives us some really amazing stuff. So no spoilers, of course. But, okay, well, no, uh, good, no, no. Good idea. <laughs> yeah. That's the problem with you know doing these things by Zoom. You know, just you can't break out the pliers and start going after the fingernails. You know, just sort of like that's true. That's know, true. Just, there, no, there are no electrodes. <laughs> there uh, we go. Over Zoom. There yeah. we go. All right. Well, anyway, I but while you're you're checking out things like the Twitter feed for the Art of Lost and Cancel Media, I also want to point out that Drew is always great fun to follow on social media. So can you tell folks how to do that? Sure, it's Drew Tailored, like a tailored shirt on Instagram and Twitter. And what about you, Jim? What, what's going on in your neck of the world? You can find us on Twitter and Instagram is Jim Hill Media. And over on Facebook is Jim Hill Media News. So uh, that will do it for this week. But till then, take care. <laughs>